Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. I am your host, George Ellick, and I'm delighted to be joined as ever by Andy Holding and also Johnny Ward as we look ahead to the Cheltenham Festival, especially at the Irish Angle. Before we get into that, I'd also like to welcome on board our new sponsors, Unibet, will be with us right the way through to the Punchestown Festival. It's great to have them on board supporting the betting show. And we've got an offer as well for new customers to Unibet. Deposit 10 and get money back to up to £40 if your first racing bet loses, plus a £10 casino bonus as well. T's and C's do apply. You can find the link in the uh, description below uh, or in the podcast description as well. So, yeah, the Odds Checker betting show brought to you by Unibet and the first one of these Unibet shows. We're going to be looking at the Irish angles into the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, but first and foremost, let's find out how you're both doing, Andy, uh, starting with you. Uh, a nice little break. You're taking time out of your break with your family to chat to us about the Irish good things at the festival. Yeah, um, managed to get them out of the way for a couple of hours, if that's the right way of putting it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's school holidays, so this is uh, a uh, yeah a few days break just to kind of like take stock uh, before the Cheltenham Festival previews come at us thick and fast next weekend or next week in, into the following week. I think there's about four or five upcoming, including um, you know a bigger one um, that we're going to be recording the week before, where we'll probably have all the the uh, final sort of thoughts and particularly the handicap weights will be out so we can sort of work out who's going to go where. Um, and I think me and John are going to have a preliminary look at um, the entries for the handicaps this week in in, in more detail and, and, and highlighting perhaps three or four that we think um, might be a smidgen of value uh, at time of recording. Yeah, that's we're going to be going through a couple of handicap picks from you both and, and some of the big clashes, uh, you know, the Irish against... Um, the the Brits in, in terms of what we've got uh, in, in the you know maybe the, the bigger races over the week. Um, Johnny, this is your one year anniversary. The first pod, the first odds checker pod you were ever on was last year's Irish Angle. So happy birthday, happy anniversary. Um, how are you doing today? Ah, oh, that, that's lovely. Um, I, I I'm trying to recall. I think I was down in uh, I'd have been down the country for that, but I was with my girlfriend at the time uh, when I recorded, and I I, I mentioned her because. After the last horse I had a leg in, I promised her I would never do it again. And then there was a filly running in a claimer a few weeks ago, and I decided that it would be a good uh, filly to claim for small money. Didn't did, did, Went through with the claim, got a few people involved, um, didn't tell her. And um, the filly's running tomorrow night, but it was my girlfriend's 40th birthday, she won't mind me saying, or will mind me saying, last week. And when she was pissed at the 40th, I finally told her about the horse and she just didn't care. So played my cards right. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, happy 40th to you, Mrs. Uh, and fingers crossed the horse goes well tomorrow night. Um, yeah, so with this show, we're going to try and cover off kind of all the different Irish angles ahead of the festival. And um, Andy, I'll come to you first here, because before we get into the markets and your tips and the rest of it, I mean, there's no denying that the Irish have had the stronger hand um, pretty much a- across the whole week over the, the, the previous few years maybe last year not quite as dominant but in terms of the handicaps you know we've had the issue with you know the Irish handicapper maybe being a bit more lenient um, than over here we've seen the, the domination of, of Willie Mullins and of course Gordon Elliott apart from the last couple of years as well um, where do you think we sit going into this year's festival in terms of the you know the the the, the gap between the two I guess and, and the hopes that both countries go go into the festival with 
Um, yeah, I mean, just looking at it from a, from an English perspective, there are certain races this year that we've got, not necessarily a stranglehold on, but some of the championship events, I think we're going to be a little bit more competitive in. Um, it's been a long while since we've had a very, very skinny price favourite for the champion hurdle, for instance. Obviously, Honeysuckle and Willie Mullins, etc., have dominated that division for for a while now. Um, obviously, Constitution Hill flies the flag there. Uh, we've got a genuine um, challenger um, in the Arkle, in, in the shape of John Bond. Uh, Edward Stone is a big contender for the for the champion chase, and and you know we've got a few that um, you know are justifiably. Uh, you know, less than less than ten to one or single figures for the Gold Cup. You know, your protector at and and mm-hmm. uh, uh, brave man's games of this world. Um, there are going to be certain races such as you know the Champion Bumper, probably the novice events where the Irish uh, are going to dominate again. But you know, we 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 chip in with the odd handicap win. I don't think the Irish have won the Ultima mm. uh, for a while now. So yeah, I think I think we'll 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 definitely do a bit better than we have done in previous years. Let's say. Johnny, how about you? Are you gonna, are you gonna, are you gonna disagree with that and fly the flag for the Irish? Say no chance. Uh, no, I, I think it's it's funny the story of Constitution Hill. I suppose George that he, um, you know, ended up being sold to uh, Michael Buckley. Um, kind of, I guess when they went to the sales, I did a piece for uh, the Irish Field on on Constitution Hill, and they Barry Garrity and Sam Ewing, uh, or rather Warren Ewing, went to the sale and they couldn't get the money they were looking for. So Barry had a relationship with them. Um, Buckley, obviously, going back to uh, some nice horse in the past. So um, I think it's good for racing that the the superstar of national hunt racing at the moment is trained in Britain by Nicky Henderson, who, like, you know, um, time immemorial, I think is going to have a very strong day one. But uh, other than that, um, I'm not sure what the spread is, but it's probably something like uh, 12 or 13, I'd say, for Irish winners. And the entries have been staggering, really. Um, the Grand National entry is even more staggering the state of play between Ireland and Britain. Um, and I know the British have brought in a couple of um, kind of regulations now with regard to handicaps that you have to run a certain number of races. Um, for me, that was an attempt to stop the likes of Stateman winning a handicap uh, as you would have in the past. Um, but overall, whether it make much difference or not. And I suppose the other thing is, um, as much as it's difficult to tip up horse in handicaps when obviously I don't know what weight they are, I'm not sure it makes an awful lot of difference either. They're going to be fairly tight handicaps and uh, the Irish are going to uh, dominate, I think, full stop at Cheltenham. Right, well, in that case, looking forward to hearing who you're going to flag up. Um, just in terms of looking at the Irish dominance, though, before we get into the tips, I mean, looking at the Unibet market for top trainer paints a, a pretty you know big picture in terms of that. Willie Mullins is the one to seven favourite. Uh, twin top top trainer at the at the festival, Nicky Henderson, you know, pretty much flying the flag on his own for for Great Britain uh, in, in a fair few of these big races. Is eight to one alongside Gordon Elliott, who's also eight to one, looking to bounce back after a, a nightmare week last year. Um, Nichols is uh, thirty three to one, uh, De Bromhead thirty three to one, and Dan Skelton sixty six to one. I mean, in terms of a bet- betting market. Is that a seven on shot that, that that's already, you know, is there any chance of Mullins being usurped given the the amount of depth that he's got to his to his stable, Andy? Um, well, I don't think he's quite so dominant in the two divisions which he has farmed in the last uh, decade or so, i.e. the Supreme Novices or the, mm-hmm. the Ballymore. I think those those two races arguably are probably, you know, as wide open as they've ever been. 
in, in the last four or five years anyway, as, as far as I can remember. Obviously, Willie's got strong hands in both of them. He's got Pascal Vega and Tomp, Elite Tomp in the one, and obviously in Pere Pass, uh, and potentially one or two others, Gaelic Warrior maybe in, in the other race. So he, he might still end up winning it, but there's no real thin one where you think, oh, yeah, that's a banker, that's a banker. And, mm. and then he, he mops up all the others. I mean, the Albert Ball, it's a race that some say has evaded him uh, uh, lately because he has won it, but it, it's not a, one of the strongest races that, it, that he's got contenders in over the years. Um, certain handicaps, he certainly hasn't found the formula yet. He hasn't won the Boodles. Uh, I think he's won the Ultima and the Irish in general in terms of struggle in the Ultima. Um, I've been looking at some of the stats. I know William Mond has got a really shocking record in, in, in certain of the handicaps. Uh, he does well in the county hurdle, for instance, but not not others. So, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those years. I, I wouldn't necessarily be looking to take seven on, but you'll come the end of the week and, you know, Mergamon bounces back to form. You know, he nicks the first and all of a sudden he has four or five on the board and that might win it. I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's going to be getting to the, 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 the sort of realms that he has in the last couple of years where I think he's been nudging up towards 10. Mm. Do you agree with that, Johnny? Do you think where he doesn't come into it with quite a stronger hand? Is it, I mean, clearly not from kind of four or five years ago, but in terms of re- the, the context of recent years? I, I don't know, really, because, I mean, in terms of the entries, uh, they've been staggering in terms of his numbers. And um, as mm. much as uh, Andy mentions would say the the Ballymore and the uh, Supreme there, he still has, he, he has sort of six or seven horses that could feasibly run in either. And then you bring the Albert Bartlett into it as well. And I, I think he's... Um, his dominance in Ireland has been so great this season, it's hard not to see him wiping the floor with. I mean, the the match bet of Willie Mullins against British trainers, I presume he's going to win that. Um, and he's it's going to be challenging for him to place his horses in the sense of handicaps. I mentioned that's, uh, you know, rule they brought in about young horses, but he will be able to, um, Willie has a great way of getting his way, I think, with owners. He'll be able to, um, you know, spread his horse around nicely. Obviously, the Yalaho, um Ryanair story is a blow, and I think he against Shishkin would have been a great race, but, uh, you know, Willie's, Willie's still probably going to hit double figures, I think. And Johnny, sticking with you, looking kind of a, a bit further down the market, it'll be interesting to see the you know the match bet between uh, Nicky Henderson and Gordon Elliott. Um, but obviously, Gordon's had a couple of interesting years. Um, you know, Denise Foster. Was, yeah, exactly. Uh, Denise Foster was training um, his uh, yeah, you know, the, the horses that he brought over, or you know, the horses that were trained by him that were that were brought over uh, a couple of years ago, and then. You know, last year couldn't really have gone worse with a lot of horses not running up to scratch and those that did getting getting very unlucky. Um, firstly, from a you know from a personal point of view, how important do you think this this week is going to be for Gordon? Oh yeah, like it's it's going to be huge, and I think uh, you know I think life has kind of gone on rather as normal in Ireland in the sense that he um, you know he was welcomed back to the race courses, and I think people um, I think people were sympathetic towards Gordon from a very early stage, and you know you guys saw it, but in Ireland it, it was it was uh, played out over the media, obviously um, around the time of the the dead horse incident, it was played out that week on national radio on TV, went as far as CNN I think, and uh, it was very very uh, difficult for him, and um, but you know his stats are well up to scratch this season. Um, he might not have sort of superstars, but I think some of the horses of his are coming in slightly under the radar. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how, um, you know, how a good Gordon Elliott-trained well-back winner would be received at Cheltenham, because I think he's generally a popular guy. I think he showed proper remorse for what he did, and I think that matters a lot. 
um, you know, punishments are handed out in racing where people lie through their teeth and um, basically get away with it. And I think with Gordon, um, whilst he initially, you know, maybe had a story that didn't didn't ring true, I think he was very, very honest and he put his hands up. I think he went through a really, really tough ordeal. And uh, I sense he's hungrier than ever now. The only problem is Willie Mullins is too. Mm. But also, I mean, with, with Gordon as well, you say he doesn't have a superstar. So you'd think, you know, he's he's someone who we know is is very adept at, at getting um getting one ready for a big handicap here. Um when we do talk about the handicaps, you've got to think that he's gonna have a couple ready for this. Well, I'm gonna give uh I'm gonna give one Gordon trained horse um who's going for a handicap and um I'm just looking at the amount of Cheltenham entries he has uh, in general. It's still absolutely substantial and uh, the horse I'm going to give down the line has just um, you know we're, we're looking for horses maybe that are a little bit under the radar and I think he mm-hmm. has gone a little bit under the radar but has a bit of back class and Gordon will have lots of those that are um, very very I think he'll be really strong in the handicaps because I think a lot of his horses probably might be just better um sort of served by them than maybe uh, going into the graded races. And uh, I do feel with Gordon, a winner will be a winner. And uh, if I can actually finally get the number of entries he has for <laughs> Cheltenham, and this is a long, long list. It is something to the tune of, uh, do I have the figure here? Um, over the four days, it looks like a huge, huge entry. Like uh, he, he may have 162 entries according to this. And there, that, that includes obviously horses entered across different races. Mm-hmm. So that is substantial to put a mile and any any you know we've seen obviously Emmett Mullins um, be a bit of a master in terms of getting one ready. Uh, Peter Fahey with with the Cheltenham Festival winner as well. Any other trainers apart from the the, Gord, the you know the behemoths that are, are Willie and Gordon um, who, who we should be looking out for? Well, I certainly think Gavin Cromwell's you know put his head above the parapet in the last three or four years, hasn't he? Mm. Um, I think he's got quite a few horses that he's already said that he's going to target. At races from a long time out, like Stumptown, I won at Sandown last week. Kim Muir straight away. He's got a nice horse, Pick, Pick Dory, I think it is. Um, Pick Dory, um, don't know, know its name. I think he runs in the county hurdle. Horses such as that, I'm sure he'll have one for the boys' race as well. Joseph O'Brien, um, you know, he's won the boys' race a couple of times at early doors, and of course last year with Banbridge. So these guys not only trade grade one winners, they're, they're not backwards and coming forwards when it comes to laying one out for a handicap as well. So, um, I think it's when when you were looking at the handicaps that the names get spread a little bit far more far and wide. So, yeah, I mean, those two are just two off the top of my head. But, you know, there's a lot of shrewd guys out there. You know, Noel Mead will be chipping away, no doubt. Martin Brazel as well. I think he's got a couple of horses that are definitely worth noting in some of the handicaps, which I'll mention a little bit later on. Um, and there are certain races where they do better in, in most, like Willie Mullins, like I say, hasn't done well in the Boodles, but Gordon Elliott has had three of the last ten. So... The, the sort of balance of power shifts from one race to another depending on how they've got on. I think some trainers just have the key or the formula to it and the right horses to it once they've won it. Another trainer is even the great Willie Mullins just struggles in, in that mm-hmm. department. He's probably not that bothered about the Boodles, but he's bothered about winning other races. Well, let's get your thoughts now. We've asked he's come with a couple of horses to um, just flag up maybe under the radar that might be targeted at um, one of the handicaps at the Cheltenham Festival. Obviously, at this stage, as Johnny said, we don't know the final weights. We, we don't even know where horses are necessarily going to be going. But we can see the entries and we can see horses that, that might be of interest for certain races. Uh, and Johnny, you, you mentioned there that you had a Gordon horse. So why don't we start, kick off with that? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with Gordon Horse. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, as, as you said yourself, um, George, the, the proviso here is uh, the horse I'm, I mentioned Gordon at 162 entries. Well, this horse uh, accounts for five of them. Um, <laughs> can you name him, Andy, actually? So, can I name him? He's five um, entries and he's a novice hurdler. It'll either be Cool Survivor or, or Favourite de Shamdu. It's not, although I was Cool Survivor was definitely on my agenda. It's actually American Mike. Um, so Ooh, there American Mike, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, let's let's just look at last season. So Gordon puts him forward as his horse to follow. Uh, you know, throughout the season, he was sent off five to two in a twenty runner Cheltenham Cheltenham Mover that involved Facile Vega. I thought he ran really well. In general, the form of the bumper has worked out fine. Um, he started off his season. I think this is the most interesting one for me. He beat. Let's be clear about it by six and a half lengths um, at Down Royal. I think, let's be clear about it, is going to end up running the Albert Bartlett. And Andy mentioned uh, Gavin Cromwell. Gavin's going to have a good Cheltenham, I think. Let's be clear about it, had injuries, a very good horse. He absolutely smashed him at Down Royal that day. He was, the, the race at Nav, and then he was, sec- he was second in, was notable for, um, obviously, the winner touching about 500 to one in running. Um, but then he he had a, a break, and I think they went back to two miles the last day just to give him a pipe on, uh, opener at Nav, and it wasn't a bad run at all. He wouldn't have the speed for that. And all of this means he's going to enter um, one of the Cheltenham handicaps off what will probably be a fairly nice mark. I'd say something in the region of 140. Um, I'm thinking what race he'll go for. I think it'll be the Coral Cup or the Martin Pipe. I don't think they're going to run him in a grade one um, because he's Mark unless the handicapper murders him, which he really shouldn't, um, I think his mark's going to be quite nice. And they'll step him back up in trip. He obviously handles Cheltenham. And he's one of these horses I like in handicaps and that he's still a bit of a blank canvas. So American Mike's my first one. Any preference as to where you want him to go? Presumably Carl Cut better just in terms of slightly, you know, two miles five rather than the two two four in the Martin Pike. Yeah, he's... I remember he's damn well American Genie and she stayed like three miles easily. He's probably an out and out, I'd say at least two, six, three miles horse. And um, Gordon obviously likes winning the Coral or winning the Martin Pipe, but in the sense of the Martin Pipe and the Coral Cup, you're splitting hairs in terms of distance. Um, but probably marginally for me, uh, the Coral Cup, um, I think that's run on the different course well off the top of my head, but that would be marginally my preference. Yeah, Unibet standout price for both of those two. Uh, Twelve to one they are for uh, the Martin Pipe. Eleven to one um, for the Coral Cup. Not and not on no bet yet. So um, do be wary uh, in that case when placing your bets. But best best price in the market for Unibet on both there for American Mike. The other Andy, nice thing I should mention, George, just briefly, is yep. that Gordon obviously won the race with the uh, Commander of Fleet. You might remember last year. I'm gonna uh, that race is going to be key to my form judgment today. But he won it in 2016 as well. So for such competitive race, Gordon has a very good recent record in it. Lovely stuff, uh, Andy. Who's your first? Well, I'll, I'll just stay on that theme really, rather than sort of deviate off of it, because Johnny's kind of like neatly led me into that category, which I'm quite keen on. I certainly appreciate the American Mike angle. I, I was quite nonplussed as well. Um, I, I presume Johnny was as well to find that American Mike was 11 to 8 to win that race last time out at Navan, mm-hmm. which I thought was a scandalously short price. Such of his reputation really more than anything else. Um, but considering that, you know, he's running last year's champion bumper, the general feel of him last year was always one of a stayer. And they, they campaigned him early on in the season, having 2 4, 2 6. But then dropping back to two miles. Either was a bit of a smokescreen um, in the sense that they wanted to give him another run and put a bit of pace into him. And then obviously you had a handicap sort of campaign in mind. 
think that's probably the sort of like deviant deviant uh, in me thinking that way. Then if Johnny's the same, it'd be very very interesting if he did run in the Coral Cup. Me personally, I hope he does because the two horses I'm going to mention haven't got an entry for the Coral Cup, but they run in the colours of Giggingstown. Now Giggingstown have got a really good um, record in the uh, the Martin Pipe. They've had 16 runners in it. They've won it four times and five of them have been placed. And I think they would have won it with Colin the Fire had he not fallen at the last. So you, you could effectively put four stroke in brackets five there, uh, winners of that uh, that Martin Pike race. And the two horses they've got in it this year, the two main candidates would be Favourite de Chandu and Cool Survivor. Now, which one of these two ends up running here? I don't know. They could both run. I would say Cool Survivor arguably is less ground dependent. So given the forecast, the general forecast for the next two or three weeks, it might be on still on the goodish side come the Friday, because I think the Martin Pipe's the last race on the Friday. Who knows? But he strikes me, Cool Survivor, as having more of a handicap profile in the sense that he's rated 135, whereas the other horse at the moment is 141. Obviously, these are going to get adjusted once the weights come out. I think you've Probably got to add on another four or five pounds for the Irish horses. So let's say Cool Survivor's in and around the 135, 140 mark. He ran fourth in a grade one last time at the Dublin Racing Festival behind that nice horse of uh, Barry Connell's. And he, he chased home um, Hidden Valley Lake in a very good race at Cork two runs ago. Now, Hidden Valley Lake got beat last time out, but he's in the Albert Bartley and still think he's a big player in that. Um, and he has won on good ground as well. I did notice that his first run this season at Punchestown, he won on good ground. So it wouldn't really bother him either way. If it was soft, if it was heavy, he's handled that. But he has won on good ground. That's what I'm getting at. So he fits the profile of a lot of previous Higginstown winners uh, and winners in general of this race, having run in graded races early on in the year. Um, the, Irish, the Irish guys, the Mullinses, the Elliot of this world, this is now a tried and trusted formula which has been adopted over the last... Uh, certainly in recent times, as I can remember, horses that have grade one profiles coming along and and and, and nicking the Martin Pipe. Gallop and Deschamps running a grade one. Uh, I think Banbridge running a gradey race somewhere along the line. You know, you go back to like the you know the good horses, the uh, Sir Deschamps of this world. They ran in grade ones as well prior to mopping up the the, the, the Martin Pipe. So Cool Survivor would probably be my number one of those two. But I do have a healthy respect for Favourite Deschamps do as well. Um, he's three for three this season, a copper bottom stayer. His time figures have been very, very good. When he beat, let's be clear about it, last time out at Cork, Cork, he did so in the style of a real out-and-out stayer. He could go to the Albert Barley, but then they've got three-card brag for that. Mm. Um, again, a lot depends on, on how Gordon plays his cards close to the time. But either one of those two would be my, my first My first choice would be Kill Survivor, but... I'm just I'm getting you to look at both of those two as as a, as a bet for the for the Martin Pipe, and of course with non-running our bet, if you back them both, you'll end up getting your money back off one, and obviously then you'll have the other one. You'll definitely have one of those two running for you. That's what I'm getting at. Keep an eye out for when Unibet do go non-running no bet. At the moment they are nine to one for Cool Survivor. Favaro de Champ do ten to one as it stands now. Um, Johnny, where are we going next? We're going to go to the runner-up in the Coral Cup last year, which is faster, slow, and um, Martin Brassel's strike rate last season in Ireland was probably his best ever. Um, thanks in the main to uh, Glenn Quinn Castle, who I think uh, I think it probably should have gotten even more um, 
publicity than it did. He won seven races in a row, which is absolutely staggering. And um, Martin obviously had uh, has had some nice horses in recent years, one of the Tiestes. He's a Grand National winner as well. And I texted him this morning as to where Faster or Slow might run because he has entered in uh, both the Ultima and the um, the Cheltenham Place. Mm. Um, now, where he'll go, I'd say he might end up in the place, um, but he said he'd weigh up the opposition and so forth. But this horse was quite anomalous in the sense that he, when he came to Ireland, he'd won over fences. But for whatever reason, Martin went over hurdles with him, maybe because he was quite young. He was only a five-year-old when uh, sort of he had him in 2021. And he, first of all, he's been second to Lifetime Ambition, but you'll remember his second to Commander of Felice um, at Cheltenham. And he backed that up then a punch down with a brilliant run off 144. Now, he Martin was given out that he couldn't place the horse at all this year. Um, so he ran him in a couple of grade ones. Initially, um, he ran him in the John Dorkin, then he ran him at Leopardstown. Um, where he jumped fine. So I, I imagine he's kind of been trying to get a mark for him, but he's a real target trainer and he's left the tongue tie off. So the two times he wore a tongue tie was when he was second commander of fleet, when he very nearly won. Uh, and then when he was second at Punchdown, which is probably even better form of his Irish mark. And he hasn't worn the tongue tie either start of the season. But what encourages me is that he got a prep at Leopardstown last year, which is very much uh, similar to last year when he got a prep at Leopardstown. Leopardstown is quite similar to Cheltenham, I think. Um, and he will, I'd imagine, have the tongue tie back on. And he comes in a little bit under the radar because he's only had, what, three runs mm. over fences. He jumps absolutely fine, totally likely race for a handicap. Um, and I think he's a fascinating runner. And he's a big price as well. Um, the, just looking across the board here, you can get certainly 14s, 20s. And we'll see what Unibet is. Unibet 10 to 1 currently for the plate, uh, and they are 20 to 1 for the Ultima. Um, so, two ways of feasibly playing that one at this stage, fast or slow. Um, again, yeah, a couple of options there in terms of, of where he may go. Um, Andy? Yeah, I should have had a word with you guys or Johnny before, and he's, he's still one of mine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've, let's I've hear got you some... given actually a reason for people to back it as opposed to my rubbish. <laughs> I, I, I just think it's a race in general that the Irish have now become a little bit more familiar with. It was a 33-year gap, amazingly, between um, when they when they had a winner um, seven years ago, and now they've had four of the last seven. So they definitely have found the key. The key is basically to produce a, a, a either a novice or a second season chaser, of which uh, fast or uh, slow is. Um, um, you need to have had seven, uh, eight of the last nine have had 11 chases or less. So he, he picks that box. And this is the important one. Last of the seven winners, the last seven winners have previously raced in a graded race. Again, he ticks that box as well. He ran in two graded races. He ran in the John Durkin, if I remember rightly, when he was at behind Galapanda Champ. And then he ran at Leopardstown, as Johnny's already pointed out. I didn't think he was, I'll say, ugly busy that day. I think that would probably be um, unfair. But... Um, you know where I'm coming from. Mm. Um, and obviously, I'm, I'm on to him as well because I backed him in last year's Coral Cup. So as soon as I saw his entry in the plate, I thought, oh, here we go. Uh, this is a typical Martin Brazel horse. Obviously, the owners have got uh, connections in, in, in the ownership in the Ballymore, et cetera, et cetera. So all the stars are aligned. So I'll give that one to Johnny, uh, but I'm very much in the same camp as well. I'll go to another chase as well, which I quite like. This is my second one. Um, I've already backed this fella. Uh, Stumps down for the Kim Muir. Um, a race that I'm not normally necessarily that bothered about, but a um, good friend of mine, uh, Paul Byrne, owns uh, the favourite, uh, Mr. Incredible. So I've kind of taken a little bit more of a keener interest in this race 
this year. And I know Mr. Incredible goes to there before uh, potentially going for the Grand National. So I wish him well with that. The only problem is that Willie Mullins has never trained the winner of the Kim Muir. So that puts a little bit of a fork in Mr. Incredible. But I hope he finishes in the first four or five and gets home safe, et cetera, et cetera. But I do like Stumstown. The day when he won at Thurles, I, I did. I put the two uh, chase races on the on the on the on a split screen that day. Back here, Duderis won the Grade Two race rather luckily because the pillow fell at the last. But either way, you know he's 165 horse. And when they touched the winning line, and I sent them all the way around, I put Stumstown on on the other split screen, and Stumstown finished exactly in the same place as Fakir Duderis. So basically, he ran the last circuit um, the same time as Fakir Duderis. I thought, God, this has got to be some seriously well handicapped horse here, 125. They brought him over to Sandown the other day. I napped him on my column, and he absolutely jumped for fun. Now, previously, he jumped quite badly at Punchestown, but I went back and watched that round, and it was absolutely bottomless ground. I just, I just didn't think he was able to operate on that ground. He couldn't pick his legs at it. There was no traction there. There was no spring in it. So a horse who's got a little bit of a sort of fragile technique, if you like, was always going to be found out on those ground, but his two best performances in Ireland and in England have come when the ground has been on the quick side. Um, and looking at the long range forecast, you can't see it being soft or heavy at Cheltenham, and you think good to soft at worst. So he's going to get his conditions. I'd imagine they'll go for a good, um, you know, um, Irish uh, amateur. I think um, Paul Burns' horse, Mr. Incredible, has been bought by uh, Patrick Mullins. So it'd be sort of like your Derek O'Connor's, your, your Barry O'Neill's in this world. Um, but his stump, uh, make no bones about it, Stump stands a very well handicapped horse. So he's my second choice for Kim York. Yeah, I, I put him up, George, when he ran at Thurlis. Little did I think he was rolling off 112 that day um, because I was just banking on the better ground. because As Andy said, he jumped poorly at Punchdown. But... Um, his improvements mean something else. He's only six, and I spoke to Gavin this morning. He's two run, he's two entries, but he's gone for Kemior. That's good. To, good to be confirmed. The target five to one currently with Unibet. I mean, do you think you, in terms of backing a horse for a Cheltenham handicap a month before, do you, do you think he shortens up much from fives now? It's it's bizarre. It's amazing how short these like sexy Irish horses get in races like yeah. that. I mean, when you look up the board about a minute before the off, you see some gamblers, you think, well, it can't get any shorter than five. And you see nine to two, four to one, seven to two, three. They go from absolutely mm. ridiculously short. Um, I don't think there's any clamour to take five, six to one now. But all I'm saying is, if, if he opens up that on the day and he's still there on the day, he, he will go off more three to one than five. You're not going to get a massive edge, but um, you're going to be on a horse who's very well handicapped and he's going to be ridden by one of the best amateurs. I mean, Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jamie Card, the Dock, as they call him, Derek O'Connor, they've won it five or six times between them. So you chuck in the likes of Barry O'Neill as well. I guarantee you that one of those three will be on either Stumpstown or Mr. Incredible. So you've got the best distance in the in the um, saddle and you've got two incredibly well handicapped Irish horses and the Irish have done really well in this in recent times. Hopefully your mate's horse, Mr. Incredible, will give us a decent price on the day. But five to one now, uh, as it stands. Um, one more each, and then we'll get on to some of the, the big Irish names uh, taking up their, their their chance at Cheltenham Festival. Johnny, who's your, your third selection? I managed to get the aforementioned mate involved in my horse at Dundalk as well. So just, <laughs> just, just because he'll be able to pay the bills and he does seem to be lucky whatever he hits. So uh, we'll see how that works. <laughs> my last selection, lads, is... Uh, in the race in which Andy references the fact that Willie Mullins doesn't have a great record in it, despite the fact he had Gaelic Warrior in the Fred Winter last year, um, 
Now, I had tipped up a horse of Joseph O'Brien's who was taken out of this, um, and I think that leaves J.P. McManus with five. I tipped him up on odds checker um, last week, non-runner, no bet, so that's all right. So he's going to go to the Triumph, which is interesting, but they have to KO in the race. Um, now, he's a horse that I'd just be slightly worried about. He's free going antics. He was very, very free behind comfort zone at Navin, and uh, Leopard's on the last year, he was... He was given a quieter ride in a grade one and um, behind Gallimer. So um, that was obviously the race notable for lossing him out being beaten. And he finished uh, third, William Mullins, one, two, three to KO. You are just a little bit wondering what sort of mark he'll get. Um, but obviously he's very talented. He's bred for the job as well. I'm going to go with um, another uh, J.P. McManus horse in this one. This is a little bit chancy, but Unibet is a top price 16 to one. Um, and that is Cougar, uh, who was a very good horse for Aidan O'Brien. He ended up, I'm just looking after he, um, after his final run for Aidan O'Brien, he ended up with a rating of 92 on the flat. Um, he's by Deep Impact, I would have promised to be true. He's really, really nice flat pedigree. And JP has had these really well-bred horses, um, both uh, in the four, in the juvenile division and in general in the novice division um, in recent times. And I imagine Cougar was quite expensive. He looked brilliant on his first two starts. Um, what impressed me at Down Royal is much of the form isn't working out that well. That was that's traditionally um quite a hot race, the the four-year-old race at Down Royal, the weekend of the J and Wine. Um he was very, very keen. And I I laid him either in running or I think I laid him in running actually because I thought he was too keen. And he still bolted up and he's a brilliant, brilliant jumper. And um I spoke to Paddy Roach this morning, he blamed the Leopardstown run on on his running two free. Um, I'm inclined to think there might be more to it than that as well, because he was, was beaten so far on the day. He, ca- he has to be better than that. It, I don't know how many runners are going to be in the Fred Winter, but he, this is the only race that he can run in anyway. And it's all systems go. Considering um, this race for me is about horses settling that haven't necessarily settled in, in, in sort of slowly run races so far over hurdles. And he's loads of ability um, from the flat. We love the ground. Hardy Roach, of course, won the race last year. So plenty of positives in the 16 to one. Yeah, 16 to 1, as you say, best price there with Unibet Cougar um, for what is now the Boodles, uh, formerly, of course, the Fred Winter. Uh, Andy, who's your, your third and final pick? Um, yeah, I might, might be able to talk about one or two of the other races um, before we close the show, so I, I won't reiterate what um, Johnny's already said. I don't like to care, I must admit. I think he's a shocking price. Um, every time I've seen him, he's looked a weak finisher. Now, whether they're completely trying to hoodwink me or my judgment's totally gone but I, I just don't like the way he comes home I mean the day when he won at Leopardstown they absolutely crawled it was one of the slowest times um, of that two day meeting if not the slowest I think so he was he was entitled to scramble home that day uh, but yeah I'd be against Takeo um, yeah my, my my third one is is, a, is another um, J.P. Manus owned horse but it's in the county hurdle um, I think we still go off a short price favourite I and mean, you can still get 7-1 to one with Unibet and that's Filey Bay Who's uh, trained by Emmett Mullins? They obviously laid it out for the for the for the um, the big Betfair race of the day, and it looked through all the the, the last part of that race that he was going to come and claim the pot. Um, it'd been a well orchestrated plan. I think Paul Byrne sold him for a nice purse off the back of a Wincanton win. Uh, JP picked him up. They obviously must have thought he was very well handicapped because JP was obviously looking to get involved, and um, he come there sauntering. But unfortunately, Elkenrich was a very tough adversary from the front. But the running that Filey Bay did to get there, and he was mid-division turning for home, ultimately cost him. And it was a day where you couldn't win from coming from behind. But the fact that he and Orkenrich pulled miles clear of the rest, you go back and look at the video, the horses he beat, it's quite an astonishing run. I upgraded him as the, the moral winner of that race. I know you never get paid out moral winners. <laughs> Am I right in saying, Andy, he got four pounds for that? 
Ah, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. He's got away with daylight robbery. Um, but that race, I think, would have done him the world of good. I think that would have probably made a man of him because it's all right tootling around Doncaster and Wincanton in grade four, you know, class four races and winning on the bridle. You don't really learn a lot about A, yourself or B, what kind of horse you are in, in quality opposition. But that runner the other day told me that he's he's got the minerals. He's definitely got it, what, what it takes to run in a big field handicap at a strong gallop. He'll handle any ground. He's one and soft. He's acted on good. He's almost good to firm at Newbury, did they, according to the game correction. So if it is quick, it's sharp, he hasn't got a problem. Um, he just really does fit the profile for me. Irish have done really well in this race recently. Uh, they won nine out of the last 13. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, he's seven to one at the moment. I could see that, like I said, it's hard to predict what prices these horses go off. I know there's going to be other fancied horses in the race, such as Pembroke and Athoro and Winter Fog, maybe for Willie. Willie, and you can certainly give Jim Coco a shout. Having chased down, I like to move it. You know, he's off one three five, and I I like to move it to one five seven. So if you're looking for a well handicapped British train horse, I'm giving you two for the price of one here. Jim Coco with that second in the Great Wood, I think fourteen to one's a big price for him. But seven to one for Farley Bay. I mean, I, I think he'll go off half of those odds and I think it'll go close to winning. Seven to one, uh, as you say, best prize out there with Unibet uh, for Filey Bay in the county hurdle. Um, those are our uh, selections there from the handicaps. We've got 10 minutes or so to run through some of the the big hitters in other races. Um, we'll kick off with the Arkle on the Tuesday. El Fabiolo, the 11 to 8 favourite with Unibet for the Arkle with John Bourne, 13 to 8. Make this pretty quick, guys. Do you think the, the market has that the right way around, Johnny? This is a race I find I find hard to um, get a handle on because obviously, um, you know, John Bomb was so disappointing uh, the last day, you know, falling in. And I think he's probably been a small bit overhyped, John Bond in general. So I'm, I'm kind of prepared to uh, I'm kind of prepared to, to, to wait and watch. And um, I'm interested to know what happens to Sam Roth. Me and Andy were both tipping him up at Leopardstown. He got as far as the fifth, obviously. Um, but he's a massive prize for the Arkle. I don't know he's as much inferior to John Bond as the betting suggests. Um, Il Fabiolo was obviously brilliant in that race, but um, at the moment it's a race I'm kind of I, I kind of want to see what turns up in it, and I don't have a strong opinion on it. Andy, I think this is probably going to be one of the races of the meeting. I'm, I'm hoping that's going to be the case because we've got a few good, strong bit part players as well. I mean, you know, obviously Al Fabiel and John Bonner, uh, they stand out either side of the Irish Sea, but you know, it's not a cake total cake what they're going to finish first and second. I think it's going to be an interesting race as well, tactically as well. What do they do with Al Fabiello and how they ride John Bon because they both go forward. But the only analogy I can put these two horses down, I had a bit of a think about this. You have to cast your mind back. You have to be a certain vintage. But remember a, a, a runner called Alberto Wantarina who won the 400 metres and 800 metres double back in 1976. He's very much the El Fabiolo with this race. And I, I'd, I'd put John Bon as a bit of a Sebco, a bit more silky smooth, a bit more light framed, whereas, um, you know, Alberto Wantarina was like a, you know, a wrecking ball of a runner. He used to go off in the front and just basically just run the others into the ground. I think that's what Avial Fabiello is like. Um, he, he, he could afford to kick a few out of the ground as well at Leopardstown, Fabiello, and he still won by 10 lengths in a fast time. I think he's the I think he's the strongest stave of the two. I think he's got the bigger engine of the two. But I do think John Bond's a slightly better jumper. So you've got two dynamics playing out right in front of your eyes. If he get, jumps a clear round and he avoids trouble... I think Al Fabiolo will win, but just because I think he'll outstay John Bond. He should have beaten him at Aintree. He got interfered with with the fall, or he was, you know, he wasn't the finished article then. 
but that day suggested that he was at least the equal of John Bond. I think he's improved the most out of the two over fences. He always looked as though that was going to be the case because of his size and his frame. Um, so I think the betting is right. I'd have Al Fabiolo um, favourite over John Bond. Mark, you got that one right. Uh, on to the Mares, uh, where Honeysuckle is the 9-4 to favourite. Um, obviously been re- rerouted uh, to the Mares, having been beaten at Fairy House and Leopardstown by Tia Poo and State Man uh, both the last two times. Uh, Andy, 9-4 to for you know, for, for the, the Wonder Mare, who's slightly, star has slightly fallen, of course. Uh, that's a price that is sure to attract plenty. Um, but where do you sit with it? Yeah, certainly won't be carrying any of my money, um, mm. Honeysuckle. Um, I'd, I'd be sticking her in the lay box rather than backing her. Yeah. Yeah, just haven't liked her this season. I mean, you know, the champion hurdle times and the, the data of that race suggest he was on the decline then compared to Constitution Hill. You sort of like who you knew who was going to be the best in the division out of those two this year, based on what we what we calculated um, 12 months ago. Look, you know, Honeysuckle's run two admirable races. You know, third in a Hatton's Grace and second to a good horse. You know, in State Man in an Irish Champion Earth. It's not exactly like a massive backward step, but it's it, she's on definitely on the on the trajectory down, whereas others are going upwards. And it's not as if this race is um, handy to on a platter as well. I mean, I think this is, uh, you know, if, if Marie's Rock does ship up here, and I'm hoping that she does, and they don't sort of go down the stairs hurdle with her, because, you know, let's face it, she's unproven at the trip. Mm. This is going to be mouthwatering stuff. You know, a lot of people have said, oh, you know, they shouldn't have the mares racing, and, you know, we want champions running against champions, and let's run the champion up. But I think this <laughs> this year has actually worked perfectly for whoever decided to put this race on. Honeysuckle, Marie's Rock, Epitaph, Love Envoy, Echoes in Rain, Brandy Love. I mean, these are genuinely great one horses. You've got six horses here you can make a brilliant case out for. So I think this is mouth-watering stuff. Personally, I, I like Echoes in Rain at the price. I think she's improved from last year. I don't know what was wrong with her last year in this race, but, you know, her runs on the flat have been good. You know, second in a, in an Irish Sajarowicz behind a, a group, group horse of Aidan O'Brien's. A victory of the day um, at Nace is, you know, as silky smooth as you could get. Could get. Her time was quick, um, and she won't mind the ground either. So I'd be very much an Echoes in Rain fan, but I'm afraid I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but I'd be against Honeysuckle. Johnny, do you agree? I tend to agree with Andy there. I, I'm not a massive Echoes in Rain fan. I think she often flatters to deceive. Maybe the race just fell into her lap a bit at Nace and be disappointing rivals. Um, I know Andy's a fan of Brandy Love. I'm kind of prepared to give Brandy Love the benefit of the doubt for her reappearance in Punchtown uh, yesterday when she was desperately weak in the betting. Um, in terms of the fact that she's been hanging left all her life, she wasn't actually that bad for most of the race. But then as they're coming around the last bend, she actually, I have a wide screen and she still couldn't fit into the screen. She'd come so far off the bend. And then she was beaten four and three parts for length. She was done for second, but she was so weak in the betting. She hadn't run since April. I imagine they were entirely uh, training her for this race uh, that is and she's a top price eight to one uh, with Unibet so the, the the key with her obviously she missed Cheltenham last year she's miles better going left-handed she absolutely hammered Love Envoy even despite going right-handed at Fairy House she was brilliant at Nays when she beat Limerick Lace the last time she's actually gone this way and for me um, I'd give her the benefit of the doubt Honeysuckle has gone at the game I think for me she she was all out for, for seconds um, and no disgrace at all in her performances this season but she's regressing uh, on then to the Turners, and we spoke about Gordon Elliott earlier, uh, his big hope maybe here is, is Mighty Potter at 5-4. to four. I mean, it's mad. When you, when you look at the previous winners 
of the Turners, you almost kind of think maybe your, your best novice chase is you want to avoid them winning because uh, Bob Ollinger, Chantry House, Sam Crow, Defi de Sol, it hasn't been a, a race that these um, promising novice chasers have really stepped up on after winning this. But Mighty Potter, certainly one of the uh, most exciting in this category. And as I say, five to four here. Um, Johnny, what do, you, what do you think of the price? Yeah, he's been mightily, mightily impressive. He's, again, one of these horses. I don't really want to take this sort of price uh, about him so far away from the festival, mm-hmm. even though it's, it's not that far away. But you might as well wait till a bit closer to the time. I mean, he was imperious at Leopardstown the last day. I really can't pick a hole in him at all, um, apart from his price. So, Gerhard, obviously, if he comes here, would be very interesting. He wasn't overly impressive uh, at Goran, but um, this is... Uh, I know this this race is going to mean an awful lot to Gordon in the sense of um, he's put so much faith in this horse. Probably his banker of the week. But uh, yeah, I, I like him. I just don't like his price. Andy? Yeah, I agree with, with John. I don't there's any rush to take five to four at the moment. Um, he's sure to be at that at least on the day, if not bigger. Um, all, I think all the each-way thieves that of you that are out there will be looking to get with Banbridge. Um you'll be looking to put him in your each way multiples because barring an accident, he'll definitely be in the three. Yeah. He's just bomb proof, rock solid as you get, get wherever mighty Potter finishes, Banbridge has got to be on the scene. I think he'll finish closer than he did um, early on the year in the dream more. Um, we know he likes Cheltenham. He likes good ground. He's a festival horse. He's proven already, you know, in a big, big atmosphere day. Uh, I don't think you can underestimate that. And, you know, he's run the other day over two miles, suggested he wants every yard of two and a half. Um, I think it's worth trying over two, but, you know, he, he was never going to, um, you know, strip it with um, with a good winner on the day. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably go Banbridge each way. And from sort of, I know we, this is an Irish show, but I think we need to mention um, a horse train over here that ran against a good Irish horse last time, and that was uh, Balco Coastal. Mm. Um, I've actually backed him at fancy prices after that run. He, he finished second to Jerry Colange, who is a worthy favourite for the, the Brown Advisory. The time figure for that race was very healthy. Now there's only sort of five, six runners, but they went a good gala. Mom, the fact that Mon Mural and Thunder Rock were pretty much flat to the balls all the way through that race suggested they were going a really good gallop. And those two had chased home um, that good horse of Patrick Neville's the time before, uh, the real whacker in a good time in the dipper. So they're definitely no two back numbers, those two. And Mon Mural was absolutely needed oxygen coming up the running. Um, so I thought the Balco Coaster would chased the pace and he was the only one who offered any resistance to Jerry Colomb. Um, I, I thought he was he was overpriced at the price as he was perhaps a week or two ago. He's obviously shorned up a bit now, but I think everyone's probably cottoned on that he shouldn't have been the price he was after that race. So my only strategy really would be Banbridge each way on the day or, you know, obviously looking at back, back in something like Balco Coastal. Yeah, Banbridge four to one as it is at the moment. Mighty Potter five to four favourite. Uh, we're just going to talk about Blazing Carl. We're going to talk about Lossy Mouth, and we're going to talk about Galapan de Champ, and then I'm going to let you go. Starting with Blazing Carl, um, Andy came back from the wilderness. The market suggested that no one was expected at all. Massive drifter on the day, did it impressively, and now uh, the eleven to four favourite for the Stayers. Still a very difficult one to assess. I don't really have never got him running a big time, but I just don't think he's been in the environment to run a big time yet. Those novice races last year were fairly tepidly run, even in the race of the day when he made his comeback, wasn't exactly a strong gallop. But the, I think that the, the feature about m- most of his performances is how strong he's been at the back end of his races. When he's hit the hell at Cheltenham, he's, he's looked really good. When he hit the hill the other day, Navin, he looked really good. Um, Charles Burns has done a great job with him. Got to be given a huge amount of credit to get him into the condition that he has after a long break. 
the fact that he drifted out to five to one the other day, I think even Charles probably thought, well, he can't win today. And yet he did. So his class got him home. <coughs> I fancy him more than I do Tiopu. Um, I think Tiopu is very much ground dependent. Um, if he if he doesn't get soft ground, I don't think he's is effective. He, he he didn't go a yard last year's champion. And I thought he'd got a big chance in that of hitting the frame at the very least. So that'd be my worry with him. But uh, yeah, I think Blazing Carl, yeah, he's he's got to be a big player. I do think hope for the lead. I think he sets the standard of what we've seen so far. Leopardstown, <laughs> you know, the the um the beating floor in Porter. Um he'll probably he'll probably be the least fancied of the main Irish players because of the recency bias. The fact that he ran earlier on in the season, everyone everyone's almost forgot how good he is. But he's already run well in a in a stairs. He only got beat five lengths last year and he's improved significantly significantly since. Again, if you're asking me for a bet now at the prices, given that we're going to get decentish ground, that'll definitely suit home on the lead. It'll definitely be him. Uh, Johnny, anything to add to that, or should we talk lossy mouth? I like home by the lead as well. I know I know on sort of collateral form at the weights and Blazing Cal has an edge over him, but I think he's just a much better horse this season. Joseph O'Brien is a brilliant target trainer as well. Um as Andy says, he's improved. And the way this race has developed since he last ran with those two Irish runners, um, not to mind that we have some strong British challengers, the fact that you can get a strong each-way chance now, I'd be very, very disappointed if you weren't in the first three. And if there are two horses off the bridle upsides at the last, he'll win. Hmm. Yeah, home by the league, currently 5-1 uh, to one, uh, with Unibet. Um, not to, you know, remind you, Johnny, but when we spoke about Lossy Mouth before the last run, um, I think the thinking was get on uh, before, um, you know. But anyway, it didn't go to plan. Now currently um, seven, uh, yeah, currently seven to four best price for the Unibet for the Triumph. Do you see a return to, to form? Can you put a line through that last run where I think we can maybe point fingers at the jockey? We don't like to do it, but it um, wasn't the best ride. Yeah, again, I, I, I've said it and I said it a few times. I'm not a massive fan of the revolving uh, camera, and um, so I this race was was very much one of these races where you're watching it back and it's on the revolving camera, and mm. it was hard to see what happened with uh, you know for an eight runner race where they generally jump well for juveniles. I thought she. Uh, I thought she got into terrible trouble, really. And I thought it was, if it were possible uh, for a one to three shot who was beaten two and a half lengths, I thought she actually um, bettered her reputation with the way she travelled and came around the field and still came back into contention. Um, I probably did call it wrong, to be fair, as you, re- as you referenced it, George, <laughs> in the sense of uh, tipping her for the triumph for her last one. She's only marginally bigger, which is, I think, fair enough at seven to four. Um, I would be interested in what Andy makes time-wise uh, of her stable mate, um, the O'Leary horse uh, whose name is Casey at the moment because it, I think there are some good, yeah so I think there are some good um, Irish horses in this race but I, I still think I mean she's only gaining experience and I, I thought I could I entirely um, expect her to beat Gallimar so if they clashed again and uh, I'd be imagining that Paul Townend um, will want this race back very much and she didn't lose anything but the race for me uh, at Leopardstown Andy yeah I'd, I'd, I'd... Kind of like, I feel I felt a little bit sorry for connections um, of Lossy Mouth and Lossy Mouth herself for not winning that day. Um, she certainly didn't deserve what happened. And I thought actually her reputation was still intact after that. Mm. Um, I, I was surprised that Bookmakers pushed her out. I, did, I, I don't think there was any fallibility there. It was just what happened that was out of her control. Um, some bookmakers, sometimes bookmakers react in the, in the wrong way, but um, for, you know, for. for or the the right way for the wrong reasons, if you like. Uh, but for for that for that instance, I, I think they got that wrong pushing her out. I think so. I think she's a, 
arguably a smidgen of value now at seven to four. But I've always been a big fan of the other horse that Johnny mentioned, Blood Destiny. I think he's a proper tool, you know. I mean, his form lines are equally as strong, if not better, than Lossie Mad. I mean, he made common practice and Nuzrit two useful horses, particularly Nuzrit. Nuzrit's a, you know, got within 10 lengths of uh, Lossie Mouth at Leopardstown. Look, absolutely second rate at uh, Fairy House when we last saw. So he never came off the bar and he beat in 20 lengths. Uh, and his time figure stands alone as the best number that we've got so far, either side of the Irish Sea. Nothing's got anywhere near that number, including Lossie Mouth. She's looked good, but she's still yet to run a number that Blood Destiny has. I'm amazed that there's still a very, very strong opinion out there, obviously, from connections and from reading all the, you know, the journals from Paddy Munnings or something. That, no, Blossie Math is still the best. You know, she's she's the one, she's the number one stable horse. Um, I, I'd, I'd be very, very keen on, on Blood Destiny to turn over Lossie Mouth. Yeah, finally, the Gold Cup, Ganapanda Champ is the six to four favourite, uh, the final uh, big Irish hope, strong favourite for the Gold Cup, Andy. Uh, I know you've been keen on Protector at previously. Where do you stand on the price now? Uh, what, with Ganapanda Champ or Protector mm, at? No, Ganapanda Champ, the Irish angle. We can leave Protector. Yeah, sorry, yeah, 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 you threw me there. Um, no, I think it's a you know perfectly feasible bet to, for a lot of a lot of punters at that price. Um People will always look to find a hold in the six to four favour, and quite rightly so. You know, and that's why we have backers and layers. Um, is the fragility there? Not necessarily sure myself. I, I can't really see it. I thought he was really strong at the finish when he needed to be at Leopardstown. His times have been good, as they were last year. When he jumped immaculately around Channel last year, just what happened was a freak, wasn't he? Overjumped really more than anything else. Mm. Um, look, you know, extra two furlongs. How far did he won with an extra two furlongs at Leopardstown? You know, he was going further away from Statler as far as I could see. Um, and Statler's, you know, an, an out-and-out stare. So, yeah, he's very, very hard to knock. Whether he's a bet for me, that price, I'd, I'd, I'd probably, you know, always look to find something at a bigger price or a bet without the favourite on the day. You can get better odds. You can back something 4-5 to 1 each way with Galapandasham in the race. So that'd probably be my approach. But I've always been a fan of Galapandasham, and I'm not going to come on here and say, you know, this is, a, you know, one of the lows of the meeting because he, he, he definitely isn't for me. Johnny, any juice in the price for you? No, I don't think there is. And, uh, you know, one, one thing about the Gold Cup, I'm, I'm not really keen about taking short price about horse in the Gold Cup. Um, it's an amazingly tough jumping test where um, you need stamina and speed and class, but you're jumping fence to fence at such um, regularity that, you know, things can go wrong and certainly not at the to- at the prices now. With Apple Tard at 8-1, to one, um, I am, if you if you forgive him the run the last day, he's a brilliant record at Cheltenham. All the vibes from Henry seem to be positive. Eight to one is the best price you will get anywhere. That is with Uni Best. Mm. Generally, it's six to one, um, only sevens in a couple of places. And he's going to turn up fresh. Obviously, as I mentioned, he loves Cheltenham. He absolutely hacked up in the race last year. Beat Manelendo by 15 lengths after looking at the second last like he might necessarily go by him. And for me, he's he's really good each way value in the race. No better man than Henry de Bromhead uh, to produce a horse on the day. And uh, yeah, I'm willing to give him one bad run for sure. Yeah, be some scenes if uh, Aplutar can make it two Gold Cups in a row, uh, beating hot favourite Galapin de Champ uh, there in the Gold Cup. That is our Irish Angle preview. Thank you very much to both Johnny and to Andy for sharing their thoughts and insight with us. And thank you to our new sponsors as well, Unibet. Remember, a uh, sign-up offer for listeners and viewers of the Odds Checker betting show with Unibet. New customers only, deposit 10 pounds and get money back up to 40 pounds if your first racing bet loses and a 10 pound casino bonus as well terms and conditions apply you can find the link in the description below 
Uh, hopefully, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about those selections there. I'm going to have to go and, and log into my UniBet account just in a second. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed um, ahead of the festival. We'll be back with plenty more content ahead of the Cheltenham Festival on the Odds Checker Betting Show. So enjoy the racing uh, and please do ensure that you're gambling responsibly.